see you this morning. If I keep looking to my right, it's not that I don't want to see y'all. One of our cameras is not working right, so I at least will look over to the camera once in a while for the sake of those who is, who are with us on YouTube, okay? Uh, thank you for being here. We, we trust you've had a good week, but also we're starting a new week today. And when we say that, we all, uh, for the longer part of my life, we call this the weekend. Have you ever noticed that? We call it the weekend, but then Sunday's the first day of our week. So uh, anyway, I trust you have a good week ahead. Now, uh, let me remind, everybody got some lessons to follow. I had Belinda Prentice some more. Our new books uh, this week and then two more weeks in this old book, and we'll be getting new materials. But I want to remind you, uh, you, those of you who have a book that's in it, but not in those printed copies I just gave you, we've been looking at a session now that uh, dealt with our commission, uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And then the next week after that, we uh, talked about starting with prayer. When Paul said to Timothy, uh, there about prayer and supplication be made for all men. Then a couple of weeks ago, we uh, no, last week we looked at the message. And now we're going to look at living the message, okay? Living the message. Daniel, that, that camera is showing green. Okay, good, good. Okay, you folks who are joining us now by YouTube this morning, three. Now those of you who are in the building this morning, those should be in your notes. We're looking at Colossians chapter 3 and uh, the theme today is uh, living the message. Uh, so as we think about living the message, uh, we know that speaking the message is essential. But we've always heard uh, that sometimes our uh, actions speak louder than our words. So therefore, if our words coming out are speaking uh, one volume about the love of Jesus and the care of Jesus, if our actions are being fleshed out and it's uh, looking like we never saw Jesus or have never met Jesus, believe me, they're going to look at our they're going to look at our outward appearance more than they're going to hear what we say. On page uh, one hundred and two, as we begin today. Uh, the author started out by talking about most businesses in America are known uh, simply for what they sell. We don't often give thought to the values behind those goods and services. And then he goes on to talk about uh, one or two of the uh, corporations in America. And more especially, he talks about uh, uh, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, David Green, and you know Hobby Lobby is a uh, corporation that still is based upon Christian values. They close on Sundays. They treat their employees differently than most uh, corporations do. And you know the ongoing struggle sometime, uh, especially with uh, the insurance industry where corporate uh, Hobby Lobby guys, they don't want to be paying for certain uh, things in their health care package because it, it goes against uh, their Christian values. Now, they're criticized largely, uh, just like Chick-fil-A is criticized largely by, by positions that they take on certain things. And I don't mean to get political with that, but we need to take note that this is where we are 
uh, today in our study. It's talking about living the message. So uh, we, we just utilize that for, for illustrations. There was three points that the writer gave there. He talks about employees being played well, stores closing early enough to allow parents to tuck their kids in, and also employees don't work on Sundays. So uh, we, we might remember those uh, days in which almost all businesses were closed, if not all. Uh, and you, you might hope that we'd go back there one day, and it would be great, uh, but the Christians would be the ones that was most disappointed, wouldn't we, if we're not careful. If we get our ice cream on Sunday afternoon, we go to that restaurant at lunch, etc. We, we somehow uh, need to identify with, with the positions that we take there. So, uh, following along with YouTube, uh, look at Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, where we're going with this is that uh, it's easy to get caught up in the things of the world. Uh, seriously, uh, you're human, I'm human. If we're not careful, we sort of get step in step. We, we know we don't belong to that system. We know that we have been uh, crucified to the flesh. But it said, the writer says it's easy to get caught up in the things of the world. Our culture influences everything from clothing and style, lifestyles to the definition and value of relationships, long-term commitment. Uh, to anything is on the decline. Now, with that in mind, long-term commitment, you know, uh, it's, it's still uh, noticeable that uh, people still have long mortgages unless they win the lottery, somebody said, but uh, they st- we're still committed to certain things with longevity, but there are many things we aren't. You know, uh, at one time, I remember some years ago, uh, we had five couples in our church that had been married over 70 years. And that was, that was almost unheard of. But now many of you, you have, you've been through that. You, you have been able, by God's grace, to be able to know longevity in the marriage. Some of you work with the same company for your entire life. Longevity, uh, you know, in many ways the company was good to you and you were good to the company. Uh, so when we think about longevity, let's know that uh, the culture hasn't affected us all in the same way. He went on to talk about technology. When we're thinking now about the uh, ways of the world, he mentioned technology. He couldn't say that without using that uh, uh, word of cell phones. And he talks about how that uh, things that we buy or purchase like that is almost outdated in six months. And you say, well, why don't they just give us a new item with all the gigs and the gadgets? Well, they know if they don't do that six months later, they're going to be able to sell that item again to many people. So with all of that in mind, things are ever-changing around us, aren't they? You know, uh, why, why do you think they uh, come out with a, a new uh, version of the same automobile every year? Because somebody's going to keep buying them, aren't they? Debbie and I can be sitting at a uh, 
traffic light sometime, and she can say, oh, I've never saw that color. I'm talking about an automobile, and you knew that it was probably a fairly new one. And sure enough, uh, they've just taken one of the old wagons, I call it, and they've put a new coat of paint on it or something, made it look flashy. You know, we get caught up sometimes in those things. We want new things or we want shinier things. And as a result of that, we forget there how that we are living out our faith. He said, people who pursue life with this focus never find fulfillment. Driven by a need for something new, something different, something better, or even satisfaction is fleeting. Jesus is, is totally different from the world, and he gives two or three things there. He talks about he never changes. Now, I know you're excited about that, aren't you? He is immutable. That's the term that speaks to him never changing, okay? Now, uh, not only is he never changing, but he's never outdated. Aren't you glad that we can relate to him just like Peter, James, and John did? Jesus is the same. Therefore, every year we don't have to update our notes on Jesus, do we? I, I get excited about that. You know, if Jesus were living in our particular day, I'm sure people would see him uh, in a different, uh, a, a different look, possibly. But he is the one person in all that we do that has never changed. Now, some of us, uh, we've been married a while, and you know, Debbie and I will, I think uh, if I add it up real correctly there, uh, about 46 years in June. And, you know, we've changed. Matter of fact, we remind one another of that sometimes. And before you know it, we might get into a debate over who's changed the most. But you can sit around with Jesus and he can remind you that he's the same yesterday and today forevermore. Now, with that, uh, Paul wrote of the confidence we find in Jesus, and he also warned us against seeking the things of the world. I think it was James, I mean, John, was it not, when he reminded us, Jesus uh, reminded us that we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. You know, in John chapter 17, the great priestly prayer, uh, Jesus, even praying for us, he said, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus knew the contention that was going to happen in our lives, and therefore he prayed for us not to get caught up into, into that system that will, that will cause us sometime to uh, draw slack in our walk, in our work with him. On the second uh, column on page 103, uh, the writer said, When we make a profession of faith in Jesus as Lord, we are identifying with His personhood and character. We are joined with Him in death, dying to our old life, and our new resurrected life in Christ is revealed, displaying a new way of walking that glorifies Him. Now look back up there at the uh, Colossians 3, if you would. He said, So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Now, literally, uh, the Scripture reminds us, this one does, but many others, that when we come to Jesus, that uh, the picture there is that we die to self. Now, dying is not something that we really take uh, great pleasure in, is it? 
But when we come to Jesus, we die to self, and therefore we should be committed to Him uh, with our total being. So he says we've been dead in Christ, now we are raised in Christ. And he said, set your affection on the things above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. What is he doing there? How does it say he is positioned there? He's seated, doesn't it? Is what he is saying there. Now, some have said uh, that that is a picture uh, of finished work. Now, uh, sometimes I go in and I get seated before I finish my work. You other men probably been accused of that before, haven't you? But anyway, this is a picture the uh, many of the Bible scholars tell us of Jesus' finished work. But now he's really not through because he's doing something for us even now. What is it? Okay, he's keeping us. And the scripture also says he's ever making intercession for us to the Father. Aren't you glad we have representation in heaven? Jesus so, he said, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. What are some of the earthly things that can get us distracted? I don't really have answers in my mind with that. I'm just giving you some food for thought. You might write some in the margin of your book today. But there are many things that can distract us from the walk or the work that we are committed to in the Lord, are they not? I find that true in my life, and, uh, and I'm not boasting about that, but, you know, when, you, when, when we're changing, I'm changing, I find that uh, if I'm not careful, those changes challenge an error in my life that uh, I know needs to stay committed to Christ and His work in me. Okay. We, we see verses 12 to 15 now in the same book, Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15. He said, therefore, remind you what the old Bible college uh, teacher would tell us. He would say, anytime you see a wherefore or a therefore, he said, go back and read the paragraph that was previous to this because it's, uh, it's a conjunction, it's tying these two thoughts together. So therefore, because of what we just said, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be ye thankful. Well, I added the ye, be thankful. Now, he, he is using a uh, words or maybe something that we should be able to identify. He's talking about putting on. Now, this morning, uh, I, I awoke, I, I showered, and I put on. Now, I didn't put on what I wore yesterday. Why? Those clothes, they're already uh, soiled. They're already dirty. So I think we can find a similar notation here. When he talks about the old man, we don't want to dress back up like the old man. He says, therefore, put on, because we're God's chosen ones, he said, put on uh, some new things there. Well, 
the writer talked about the clothes of a godly character, we're to put on always appropriate regardless of the spiritual climate around us. Now, as seasons change, what does the department stores do? They change their presentation, do they not? Styles change. How many of you guys can remember when we wore platform shoes and bell-bottom breeches? I hope they never come back, don't y'all? <laughs> but the reality, you know, I, people or Debbie will say, how about a necktie for your birthday? No, I don't need no ties. Well, all the years are old. Well, the style will come back in sooner or later. You remember when they used to be about an inch wide? You know, you look like you're wearing a pencil. Well, they'll be back. So, so the thing is, the world's styles, they, they, they seem to uh, be illustrative with the fact that we need to be putting on the Lord's uh, clothing, so to speak. And he talks about them. Look at them again. Some of the things. It's not a conclusive list, I don't think. But he said, put on compassion. Somebody uh, once described compassion as passion at work. You remember in uh, the John's epistle, 1 John, he talked about uh, there, uh, if we are only saying we care but not doing something about that and demonstrating that, we don't have compassion at all. But he said, put on compassion. Put on kindness. How much does it cost to be kind? Zero. Now, there are some people make it hard to be kind to them. I must confess that. I don't have anybody in mind right now, none of you. But yeah, put on kindness, humility, humility, gentleness, oh, patience. Now, uh, somebody said patience is a virtue that the moment you think you have it, you've lost it because something's going to challenge that little area of our life. Now, let's all hopefully agree that we are more patient than we used to be. But you know, as we go through seasons of life, also those uh, things change as well. But he said there, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And then he talks about if anybody has a grievance against another. He said, like Jesus has forgiven you, you should also be practicing forgiveness. Have you ever been amazed at how long people can carry a grudge? Amazing, isn't it? You know, it don't come up every day, but if you strike conversation, there's always that venom that can come out of people's mouths and hearts about uh, how they had grown angry with somebody over something or how somebody had got angry with them over something. Now, the Lord tells us how to deal with people, and He said, just like I have forgiven you, you should be forgiving others. Now, I hope today that uh, you, you are at peace with uh, everyone as much as uh, life within you to do. He said, because with all of these things, uh, He said, uh, also put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, the love there, the phileo love, or surely, surely he's not talking about the uh, eros, the erotic uh, type of love. Yes, he could be talking about the agape love. Uh, love them unconditionally. Uh, how many times have we learned that if, if we love somebody conditionally, that sooner or later 
they'll give us reason not to love them anymore. But if they do, and we've loved them unconditionally, we can work right through it, can we not? He said there, put on these qualities, but most of all, put on love, that perfect bond of unity. And he said, let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Now, reading uh, the notes there from the author, uh, he, he talked quite a bit there uh, about being thankful. Uh, it's on page 106 there, and uh, the top of the page, he, he was talking somewhat about this thankfulness subject matter. And as he gives us that, uh, not to be thankful uh, for just what we find pleasure in, but be thankful for what everything. Why? Paul would say that uh, to the Thessalonians. He said, in everything, give thanks unto God. In everything. So, uh, with that in mind, as we're thinking about today, the subject matter there of living out the message. What is the message we're living out? What, it, what should it be? That Jesus loves everybody, doesn't He? As the passage I preached from this morning, that not only does He love everybody, but the Scripture says that He, um, he chose us before the foundation of the world. And we should be living that message out. But how can we tell somebody that Jesus loves them, and we love Jesus, but we can't love them? Sounds contradictory, isn't it? So now as we live out the gospel, uh, we have to have a change uh, of heart, a change of mind, a change of will. And what uh, Paul has done in these words there, he has given it to us in a way we could understand, like take off the dirty shirt and put on. And, but he's talked about compassion and gentleness and meekness. So therefore, it gives us a whole new wardrobe, does he not? And as a result of that, uh, we need to be putting those things on continuously. Now again, those of you who are watching by YouTube this morning, your Bibles are open, you're following with us. We're looking now at verse 16 and verse 17. He has uh, given us already example and words there about that we've been risen with Christ. He tells us what to do once we're raised, uh, put on the right clothing, and now He's telling us there to let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, uh, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, this is more the section, I believe, than he gives us more the thoughts there about the thanksgiving. I had my little sections mixed up a little bit. But he says the best way to learn more about God is through His Word. And the believer's life is the most common way people encounter Jesus. And maybe we could put that in terms we can understand. Most of our lost friends or lost acquaintances, most of them aren't going to read the Bible. Now, there are some who do. Uh, most unbelievers do not read the Scripture. I think I could say uh, 
So, if they're not going to read the Scriptures, how are they going to form a, an image of Jesus or God? How are they going to see them, them two persons other than through our lives? You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you go in our house, there's a picture on about every wall. Now, you can tell Debbie that and I'll approve it, but uh, she loves her pictures and anybody who wants to come in there, uh, if you'll stop and point to that one, she can tell you the story behind it. But now, it, we, we need to be a picture of Jesus, do we not? And when that person looks in our life or looks in our face or looks in our heart, and they might question, well, how did you get where you are? We should easily be able to tell them it's through the power of God and Jesus. And then they would begin to see the Word of Christ uh, they're living through us, I call it. So the best way to learn more about God for us is to read the Scripture. But you know what? I also still learn more about Him through people myself because I see the deeds and the truths that other people live. He says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly among them. And to dwell, the writer said, means to abide for a time. So we know there. Uh, that the time in which we live, uh, he's talking about this needs to be evident in our lives even now. Now notice how he lists some more words there. He said they're teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now if you're looking in the quarterly, uh, look on page 107. He gives us uh, little bullets there that we can uh, see and identify with these two or three areas. Psalms, talking about the sacred poems and songs from the Old Testament book of Psalms, okay? Now, many, many uh, see and know that the Psalms were, were songs to them in the Old Testament, okay? When they would come to that, uh, those gatherings, uh, they would be quoting, singing the, the psalms. And then he talks about the hymns, those festive songs of praise. Songs that tell of our faith and God's faithfulness. Now, uh, sad but true, and I think I could speak on behalf of many others, not just myself. Sometimes we remember the words of something that has been put to song easier than we remember the words of something that we've simply read. You know what I mean? Uh, Debbie, Debbie used to have a unique way when he was teaching preschool, working. She'd, she'd try to take those things and put them to song. Why? Because that kid could remember that rhythm and begin to call it uh, out. She had an Awana kid recently, over the last couple of three weeks, said, FaceTimed her at home, and, you know, we're learning new technology all the time. But I'm saying all of that to say that that little pre-K or maybe kindergartner uh, was trying to say the books of the Old Testament. Now, you know, 39 of those things, you know, you stop and you think, uh, that's not an easy feat, but yet and still putting it, a little rhythm to it, that individual was able to remember. So... Uh, when we think about psalms, uh, we think about hymns, and then he even mentions spiritual songs. Uh, 
He, uh, he defines that by a variety of musical compositions. Well, uh, what is it about songs and what is it about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that happens over time? Sometimes they're changing, aren't they? We don't sing out of the book of the Psalms, do we? You know, we don't say turn to Psalm 51 and let's sing to the meter of. You know, uh, sometimes we don't even, for, for those who want a hymnal, well, we hadn't even put them back in yet, but, but we don't even say turn to page 140 and stand, do we? But yet and still, uh, those are things that's ever-changing but yet and still, I like that part of our worship. Why? Because it is a way that we, uh, not only that we worship Him, but it's also a method of whereby that we learn more of Him as well. That's right. Amen. And hey, I do too. Most of you know I turned 65 yesterday. And man, I still love those old songs, Rock of Ages and Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And you know, people who abandon them totally are missing a great means whereby to teach, to teach our generations that are to come. Now also, when there can be a good mix of those those uh, praise songs, I'm all right with that, but they're, they're, let's don't abandon those great songs. Why? Because there's such theology there as well. Thank you, brother. That was a good word. Appreciate that. On the bottom here now, or of page 107, right under, uh, he asks a question, how has music helped shape your knowledge and understanding of God? I, I could just say many times I'm thinking through Scripture or preaching through Scripture and uh, what God does is He'll lead me back to a song or something and, you know, uh, it sh it's helped shape me a lot. Uh, so, so, so much that I probably uh, could not take time to tell you all of the ways. Here's where he talks about an attitude of gratitude there. He says, uh, we're to sing all forms of music and songs to the Lord with a heart of thankfulness. We should maintain an attitude of gratitude, looking at life from a position of all we have instead of what we don't have. To possess a heart of gratitude is to view life from a perspective of contentment instead of dissatisfaction. Every time I begin to think of, of what I don't have, I get in a mess. Seriously. If I think about the truck, you know, or if I think about this, or somebody's got this, it, it always, that distraction uh, messes me up in my faith. But uh, this is just a good reminder uh, there when he tells us the psalms, the hymns, the spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. How... how often do you, and I'm not just leaving it to you, but how often do we maybe take time and sit down and, and write down those things we're grateful for? Been blessed, haven't we? You know, even, the, even what I used to consider the tough things, we've been blessed. And I can thank God because He used all of that 
to mold and make me as well. Any other word? He says a verbal witness of God's love and salvation is backed up by the, by the lives we lead. People may want to debate theology and religion, but they can't argue with a life centered in and transformed by Christ. See, when we get the Word and the witness agreeing together, man, that is when people will begin to take note that we've been with Jesus. Next week, we look at Acts chapter 17, okay? Matter of fact, if uh, y'all want, those of you who got printed copies today, if you want a printed copy for next week, I have them here on the front pew and be glad to get one to you, okay? Those of you who are watching by YouTube today, let me say to you, Acts chapter 17 next week. So if you'll be reading that, uh, we'll pick up on those truths next uh, Sunday. God bless you. Thank you.